0: Good morning everyone. So so I, I want to introduce to you Ashiwander. I'm not going to take up much time because I want to, like I said, I want to give him all the time that he, he can have here. So, uh, But I do want to show you one picture. He's been staying with me now. He came last. He's been staying with me a little over a week because he came and stayed with me Thursday night. And so Andrea doesn't really want him to go home. She likes him living with us. So we're going to see if we can talk him into just moving in with us. But but so, so in Uganda, I got to tell this one story though. In Uganda though, they don't they can't own guns, right? And uh, if you if you own a gun, Ashi has told me that uh, they'll they'll put you in prison for a good long time, it's for life. Yeah, if you have you put, bring a gun out. So they got some pretty strict gun laws in Uganda. Uh, so we brought him over to America and we took him over to my buddy Richard's house. And can you put that picture up, Tyler? You got that? Oh, there it is. Yeah, so he, he he shot some. I got some videos of him shooting, but he did he did pretty good. It was it was really an amazing time. But he said he had such a wonderful time shooting the the AR fifteen and high powered rifles and yeah, yeah yeah we just started him off right, so so he had a wonderful time. But listen, this this guy here he's he's, a, he's he'll tell you more about it. He's he's doing a, a great ministry in Uganda, and when Donald and I went here in April. We spent a lot of time with Ashi, and we went to the refugee camps and did a lot of work. But he's going to be planning a church in Gulu and he'll tell you more about that. But listen, he's a, he's a brilliant young man. He's, got, he's just got so much that God's going to, going to use him to do. So if you would, why don't you welcome him up here this morning and give him a hand clap.
1: Um, I'm not a southerner, so I'll try as much as possible to sound like one, uh, because uh, our accents are a bit different from yours, so I'll try, um, by the grace of God, you know, Andrea is a teacher, so she's been taking me through some classes. Uh, to announce things like Ential, you know, stuff like that. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Now, in Africa, we tend to say praise the Lord a lot. So in case I forget and say praise the Lord, say amen. Amen. All right? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord again. Well, uh, my name is Asher Wandera, and I'm so excited to be here. My brother Henry was here a couple of years ago, I think for about two two and a half years. He stayed with you guys, and uh, I heard so much about City of Hope, and I was always looking forward to the day I'll visit. Not just to preach, but to visit and just spend time with you. And today, I think I really count myself extremely blessed, to be able to stand before you and be hosted at City of Hope Church. I know a couple of faces. I've met a few already, like my big sister, Tina Nelson, uh, my sister and her husband, Tikita and Travis Whitehead, my little nephews, Titus and Tucker. Yeah. Of course... My big man, Pastor Donald, Um, I think he came in 2008 when you first came. Uh, He had a conference in the church that I was attending then, and uh, God used him. Of course, I was one of, I think I was interpreting you, but at the same time, I was translating for him into our African language. At the same time, God used him. To bring inner healing to me, I was dealing with a few issues. Maybe there were many. There might have been many by then. But I was dealing with some issues in my life. And he came and told a couple of messages. But one of the messages was about uh, rejection. And I was dealing with a few things in my own life. So I want to let you know, uh, church, that Pastor Donald Sims has done a great work in my country, and I'm a product of his work. And of course, through Henry, churches have been planted, over 50 churches in my country, and it was because of a relationship that was developed uh, 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 between Pastor Donald and Henry Wynne. So I want to take this opportunity to thank the church for sending this man to Africa every now and then. I mean, he was there in April, and he came at a a long time because it was too hot, and he was uh, sweating buckets of water. (laughs) He had a big towel like this, and man, he would just wipe the sweat off. But we thank God. So thank you so much for sending him over the years. We love him. Continue supporting missions in Uganda, Uh, and of course, I met my brother Brian, the first time he came, you know, and then the second time he was here uh, in my country, so I met him too, and of course, my lovely hosts, uh, Clay and Andrea Bishop, Uh, I don't know what to say, but I want to thank you guys before the church for hosting me. For taking good care of me. When I go back to Uganda, my wife won't understand me because I've put on a tummy and it's because of the food that Andrea and Clay have been uh, putting up and cooking for me. And uh, Bishop set me up and took me to uh, Buffalo and he told me to eat atomic chicken. Man, that was bad. I really tried eating it. I mean, I, I only left three pieces, but it was a walk of faith. <laughs> but it's, apart from that, it was the best chicken I've eaten. Like... <laughs> so, yeah, of course, I've met Richard and, and Jacqueline. I've met a couple of guys. There's, there's another gentleman who came to Uganda last time over there. I mean, I can't mention all names, but I love you all. I love you guys and I hope you'll be blessed by uh, my presentation this morning <laughs> praise the Lord thank you so much all right maybe now we can have the slides yeah so this is my family I am married uh, with one wife uh, <laughs> I have to make that very clear <laughs> Because we have, some of our men have multiple wives in my country. It's, it's a traditional right. Okay? To be a man, you have to have multiple wives. But I have one wife, by the grace of God. Her name is Martha. And uh, I have a daughter. She's two years and two months. Uh, 26 months now. Her name is Genessa. Like from Genesis. More like Jessa, you know? That kind of thing. Yeah, so her name is Genessa. And my son is called Jezreel, and he's nine months. Yeah, so that's my small family, but I'm believing, God, for more grace to have more kids. Hallelujah. Say amen. amen. <laughs> I grew up in a church uh, in the ghettos of Kampala in a place called Kamocha. Pastor Donald Sims has visited that place. I mean, when you came, it was much better. But it was a bad slam, a bad ghetto in my country. I grew up under the ministry of Bishop Solomon Mokonjo. Can we have the next slide, please? Yes, that man of God, Bishop Solomon and Mary Mokonjo. I joined Church of God Kamocha in 1989. And I've been I was there for over 25 years. That is where I met Henry. Okay. Next slide. That is where I met Henry. I don't know if you can see, recognize him uh, squatting down. He's the guy squatting down. And I'm the sick guy looking the other side. I wasn't sick, but I was so skinny those days. That was the year 2000. Uh, but I met Henry in 1990. 1990. So we've been best friends. He was my best man at... My wedding, we dress like that on our traditional weddings. We have three functions to marry a girl. We have about three functions. We meet the parents, which is called uh, a first visit. And then uh, we do what they call an introduction. An introduction is when you meet the whole clan of the girl. That is when we take cows. Okay? So I took a cow to marry my wife. So that was the traditional wedding I had. Okay. Then after about five days, I had an American wedding. Uh, So I've been friends with Henry for uh, a number of years. But then uh, I think it was about March of this year that I left Kampala uh, and moved to the north of the country. Pastor Donald has been there and a couple of guys here. Uh, where I live right now is about 271 miles north of the country. Uh, Google Maps says four hours and 15 minutes, but it can even become six hours because of our roads and the traffic. Kitikita is a witness to that, you know. It can, it can be six hours of driving, you know, and then we have the craziest drivers on earth. Amen to that. Yeah, we have the craziest drivers on earth. So it can take about six hours to get to where I stay. So I left everything I knew, all the friends, all the families, and I moved to the north of the country in a place called Gulu. That is where I live. Now, I lead a ministry called Crystal Covenant Missions. We are based in Gulu, northern Uganda, East Africa, uh, it's a new ministry because I've been serving God under different people, uh, but then the Lord spoke to me and the Lord led us to leave Kampala and move to the north of the country and start a ministry. Uh, so what we do, what we're involved in, uh, we organize short-term mission trips to Uganda, but specifically Gulu, northern Uganda, where I stay. Uh, we, we, we are there to plant churches. We are going to plant churches. We are planting our first church. The moment I go back, we'll be planting a church. Uh, we also, because you see, the problem, one of our problems in Africa is lack of knowledge. I mean, the knowledge is very low. Uh, we don't have resources. So people are very limited in their interpretation of scripture. So we have a discipleship and leadership training program that you are going to implement. Now, uh, you have been to the capital, Pastor Donald, and a couple of you. Most of the big pastors, like celebrity big pastors, powerful pastors, are in the city, the capital. But when you start to move away from the capital, you start to enter places where the gospel hasn't really reached, and the pastors there are very low on knowledge because they have not been exposed to material, to resources. So, a lot of work, most of the work needed in Uganda should actually go to the country, what you guys call the country, but we call them the villages. That is where people need training. So, I believe that God has sent me to Guru for a purpose, uh, to help pastors and leaders, and to train them. But apart from that, God has given me a unique gift, and I believe that I'll be able to use that while there. So um, we also have an apostolic and prophetic teaching ministry that we are going to start there. But our ultimate dream and vision is to start a school of ministry where we are going to gather people from across the north, uh, the West Nile and the northeastern part of the country and we train them we equip them we disciple them we mentor them and then we send them to the remotest villages in my country but we also don't want to just preach the gospel we also want to uh, transform communities so we are believing god that we are going to build wells we are going to change the communities because Poverty uh, in the north of the country is on a high end. Now, there's something interesting about where I live. Next slide. The place is called Gulu, but I need to tell you something brief about this, this place so that you can really, really understand. Now, Gulu, of course, it's found in Africa. Next slide. Africa is a continent. It's not one country like the U.S., okay? Okay. It is a continent that is actually bigger than, it's close to Canada and the U.S. and Mexico combined. But it's actually bigger because it's a long stretch of land. But inside of Africa, there's a tiny country called Uganda, the east of Africa. That is where I was born. That is where I live. That is where I serve. Africa has one2 one six billion people we are next to asia so africa is a huge continent with so many people in the north of uganda there's a block called northern uganda that is where i live right now uganda has 44.3 million people as i speak but then something happened over the years since 1987 gulu the main district in northern uganda was terrorized by a rebel leader called Joseph Kony. Joseph Kony terrorized this region for over 25 years. The war displaced nearly 2 million people. More than 10,000 people were killed in massacres. Over 20,000, mostly women and children, were abducted and forced to work as soldiers, porters, and sex slaves. The region is still bleeding from post-war effects. Even as I speak right now, yet many humanitarian organizations left after the war was officially declared over. 70% of those organizations, they closed shop. They came back to Europe and the West and, and, and America. So the region is still bleeding from the effects of the war. And I want to give you a few stats, if you could uh, go to the next slide. So the, the population, according to the, uh, a recent census that was carried out, at that time, 2014, it was 275, 613 people. But I presume right now it's about 300,000 people. But 89% of the national poverty lies in rural areas. Acholi region where I live right now contributes 9.8% to this national poverty. 53.4% of the total population is between 0 and 17 years while 25.2% is between 18 and 30 years. Gulu is a young population. 14.7% of children, 0 to 17 years, are orphans. I mean, we have so many orphans in Gulu. Why? Because their parents were killed in the war. One of my disciples was actually, uh, his mother was abducted, uh, abducted, taken into the rebel camps, Made pregnant, but because the father was a commander, she was able to escape and had this baby in the hospital. So this guy has never met his father because his father was killed in the war. So we have many of such guys. 19.9% of children aged between 6 and 15 years are not in school. 12.0% youth population, uh, 18 to 30% are not working. So there's a lot of joblessness. 45.9% 45.9% of households do not have access to clean water. Water is a big problem. The more you go north, the country is blessed with so many resources, but when you go the north of the country, there's the, it's like a drought. It's a dry place because you're, you're going into places like South Sudan. So Gulu has a problem. Northern Uganda has a problem of water. But 22.5% of households They don't have pit latrines. I normally tell this joke that uh, I can make a bed in an American toilet because they are very clean, they are tiled, I mean, they are beautiful. But in Africa, in Uganda, in northern Uganda, they have pit latrines. And some of those pit latrines, some of of the families can't even afford to dig a pit latrine. And of course, households are bad, people sleep in in, in huts. Grass-thatched houses, some of you have been to Uganda, you've seen those houses. Now, where I grew up with Henry, in my mother's house, where we stayed for a couple of years, we used to use such lamps. Such lamps, uh, they use paraffin, but they are very dangerous. In case you sleep and you knock it, and you sleep in such a house, it can make a fire. So there are so many fires in the north of the country because of that. Now, let me talk about religion just briefly before we go into the word. Um, The Pentecostals, uh, the Anglicans are 45.1%. The specific episcopal, they are 32.0%. Pentecostals, or the evangelicals, they are 11.1%. The Muslims are 13.7%. Now, the Muslims came in 1844, while the Pentecostals began in 1960. But if you look at the margins, the born-again Christians are trading closely to the Muslims. Yet the Muslims marry multiple wives, you know? But we are growing. But right now as I speak, I don't know if you guys noticed that, but right now at every trading center in Uganda, there's a new mosque, and huge. Why? Because they received a lot of funding from Arab nations to plant mosques, at every trading center and intersection. The church needs to do more. The church needs to do more. So how can you be part of what God is doing in Uganda, specifically in Gulu? You can come for a short mission trip. You can start an affiliate uh, of your church. You can sponsor a church planter. You can train pastors and leaders through conferences. You can donate books, Bibles, and study materials. You can find us scholarships to good Uh, spirit-filled Christian universities. You can donate sound equipment for evangelism. You can help us start that school of ministry that I just mentioned earlier. But on the social side, uh, you can dig a well. You can sponsor a child. You can build a health center. You can buy a cow, a goat, or chicken for the poorest families. Because, I mean, we can't survive on aid forever as Africa. We need to move away from aid to self-sustainability as a region. I mean, Africa is blessed with resources, but we depend on aid from the U.S. and from other states, from Europe. But that, that, that should stop somewhere. So we want to develop our people to be able to work for themselves, run businesses do extensive farming, and, and grow our economies. So if we start small businesses for people, they are able to sustain themselves than depending on aid or donations or our organization. Okay, so I, I want us to pray. I want us to pray as we go into the word. Father, we thank you uh, for this moment that you have given us uh, to gather at City of Hope Church we ask you to speak to us even as we share the word, even as we look into the needs and the intervention areas in northern Uganda. We ask you to speak to us this morning in the name of Jesus Christ. Christ, Christ, Christ. I want to share something that has been on my heart from the time I heard that is going to come and fellowship with you. It is called Creating a supernatural culture. I want to share about creating a supernatural culture. And I want, to, I want us to read a few scriptures. But the first one will be in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. And the next one will be in Acts chapter 4 verse 31. Creating a supernatural culture, and the Spirit of God has a reason why he impressed this word upon my heart. And I want to read why why I feel that the Spirit of God wants me to share this. I've been writing a couple of things about City of Hope. Now, City of Hope Church has already created a prayer culture. I mean, you're having that corporate prayer session on the 24th. Did you say 24th? On the 24th. So the prayer culture has been created. And then the next, the following Sunday, I think the next day, you're having a worship service. So the worship culture has also been created. Now, what should come next is a supernatural culture, is a prophetic culture. For any transformation, Pastor Donald was sharing with me Uh, the other day uh, when I visited his office uh, of how pastors came together and they did a drug, how did you call it? A drug march. And then immediately after the drug march and prayer over the city, uh, there were suggestions, first of all, to change the name of the city, you know, from uh, uh, addict something to City of Hope. And then from that, there were so many arrests made, you know, But now, when it comes to the church as the body of Christ, spiritual transformation starts like this. It starts with prayer. And then worship. After worship, what should come next is a supernatural culture or what you could call a prophetic culture. Okay? I didn't want to call it a prophetic culture because it would limit us to only prophetic gifts. That's why I wanted it to be a supernatural culture. Why? Because it would involve healing. It would involve creative miracles. It would involve, I mean, all these supernatural occurrences. It will involve manifestation of the spirit. You know? Praise the Lord. Now, I think I'm getting hot. Kindly help me. Allow me to remove off this jacket, okay? <laughs> you guys are running ACs all over the place, so Forgive me for putting on such a jacket at this time. (laughs) But we are not used to your cold, okay? So, forgive us. Okay, let's go back to the word. Now, when a church creates a supernatural culture, then stuff begins to happen. Because a city cannot be transformed until there is a spiritual transformation. So, Transformation happens in the spiritual realm. The believers who are alert to what is going in the spiritual realm, they cause a spiritual transaction. They bring heaven on earth. They bring the reality of heaven into the reality of the earth. But that is created. It doesn't just happen by chance. It is created. Now, the Bible says in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, But when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be filled with power and you will be witnesses for me in Jerusalem, in all of Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, for a supernatural culture to be created, there has to be baptisms and multiple feelings of the Holy Spirit. Why do I say multiple feelings? Because so many of us are stuck at that one experience we got from the Holy Spirit. So we we got stuck there. I mean, we only I mean we, we are so comfortable by that that we don't yearn for more, we don't desire for more, we don't go deeper into the Lord for more, we don't press on for more. Yet it doesn't have to stop there. The Christian life is a journey. It's a pursuit of lovers. I mean, every now and then you have to take your wife out. She doesn't get tired of it. It's a pursuit. Travis, am I telling the truth? Yeah. It's a pursuit. And that is how the things of the spirit are. We hunger to be filled. Yet when we get this feeling, we still hunger. Not because we are not satisfied, but because there is more in God we can receive. Now, in chapter 4, verse 31, the Bible says, And when they had prayed, the place where they had gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with boldness. Now, remember, in two chapters before, the Holy Spirit had just fallen. Why would he fall on them again? Why would he feel them again when he had filled them the first time? But here they pray, they gather, they pray and he fills them again. That's what I call multiple feelings. So we need to have more encounters with the Lord. So the more we continue encountering the Lord and having experience of the Holy Spirit then in the atmosphere something changes. An atmosphere begins to be created. Why? Because it's, he fills us and then unconsciously, we begin to release him. Release not in, not in the form that he's bound, but we pour him out. He becomes like an incense, a perfume. And he begins to affect our environment. He begins to affect our environment. Now, I want to focus about five minutes on this point because it is very important tongues the whole way to other gifts. In Acts 2 for the Bible says, and all of them were filled with the spirit of holiness and they were going out speaking in various languages according to whatever the spirit was giving them to utter or to speak When we get filled with the Holy Spirit, let's say the first experience you had with the Spirit of God, okay? And then you press on and receive the gift of tongues. The gift of tongues, even though Pentecostals have built a monument to it, we are supposed to move ahead of tongues. We're supposed to move ahead of tongues and press on and to all the other gifts that God has in store for us. Now, I want to show you something, and I really want you to notice this. Let's read the next verse. In verse 17, the Bible says, In the last days, God says, I'll pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Now Peter quotes a scripture from Joel chapter 2 verse 28. If you look at those two scriptures, Joel 2:28 and Acts 2:17, nothing is mentioned on tongues. Tongues are not mentioned. What is actually mentioned is prophecy, dreams, visions. Now, why would God cause this scripture about the filling of the Holy Spirit? why would tongues be the initial sign because it is like a hallway into this arena filled with various gifts It it is a hallway into the gifts of the Holy Spirit so As we intentionally pray in tongues, then we begin drawing closer. We begin activating. I mean, some of us are too religious. We want the spirit to first fall on us to pray in tongues. No, it's not like that. The spirit of God is already in you. He's already dwelling in you. He doesn't need to be jump-started. He's already dwelling in us. I mean, we bear, we, the Bible says, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. As we intentionally, and I'm going to prove that by Scripture, as we intentionally and willingly pray in tongues, The Spirit of God begins to draw us unto Himself. He begins revealing these things unto us. We begin to activate the gifts that are already in us. The gifts of the Holy Spirit do not come that day you you realize that I think I have a prophetic gift. You receive them the moment you receive the Holy Ghost. So they are in you. They just need to be activated. Now, First Corinthians 14:1 says, honestly pursue love and earnestly desire spiritual gifts, and especially that you might prophesy. But remember, 1 Corinthians 14 talks about tongues, it speaks about tongues, basically tongues and prophecy, but mostly tongues. He dwells so much on tongues. But he says, especially that you might prophesy. Move away from only tongues. Enter into this other realm. Enter into these other gifts. Enter into dreams. Enter into visions. Enter into manifestation of the Holy Ghost. Enter into the word of knowledge. Enter into the word of wisdom. Enter into prophecy. Especially that you might prophesy. In verse 2, the Bible says, For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people, but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries to God. Now, let me show you something. If you know that that envelope has one million dollar check, what do you do with it? Hmm? You either check it in or you keep it very well because you know it's valuable. The Bible says that when we speak in tongues, we speak mysteries. English is limited. Tongues are unlimited. When you pray in a known language, in your language, thank God you guys only speak English. We speak multiple languages, over 60 in my country. When you pray in your language, you are limited. The Bible says, For we don't know how to pray as we ought to, by the spirit that dwells in us, groans inside of us with groanings that cannot be uttered. So the more we speak in tongues, the more we pray in tongues intentionally, willingly, we are uttering mysteries. We are creating the world. We are creating this environment. We are creating this culture. Time is really running against me. Verse 4, the Bible says, the one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself. But the one who prophesies builds up the church. So, as you intentionally pray in tongues, remember we are looking at prerequisites to creating a supernatural culture. Okay? So, as we pray in tongues, as you pray in tongues, you're building yourself up. You're building an edifice. You're building up yourself. Now, 1 Corinthians 14:18 is one of the craziest scriptures in the Bible. Because look at what Paul says. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. So get all City of Hope church combined. So I am in Africa and I send an email to Pastor Donald. Hey Pastor Donald, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you combined. No wonder this guy could go into the third heaven, hear mysteries, things that no man can utter. I imagine Paul riding a horse or a camel, speaking in tongues for miles, and then the Lord downloading these revelations. We are limited by our languages. We are limited by either what we know or what we don't know. We are limited but when we engage into this supernatural environment through tongues and we pray, we are building up ourselves, we are speaking mysteries, we are creating a rim. Can you imagine combining the whole? Yet these guys were the most spirit-filled church at that time. But Paul is saying, I speak in tongues more than all of you. Now, this is important. For us to create this environment, we need to intentionally pray in tongues. Pray in tongues intentionally, willingly, purposefully. Because you're creating this atmosphere around you. The last scripture on this very point is Jude 20. Jude 20 says... uh, Jude 20, but yeah, beloved. Building up yourselves on your most holy faith. Why? Or how? Praying in the Holy Ghost. Now, I want to explain a few words quickly. Next slide, sir. Um, Eagerly yearn to possess something comes from a Greek word called zelot or covet. So when the Bible says, but earnestly desire spiritual gifts, covet spiritual gifts, he's actually saying, Be jealous over, I mean envy, spiritual gifts. Be zealous over spiritual gifts. But especially that you might prophesy. Build up means, it's a Greek word called oikodomeo, to build a house, like to put up a huge house. When you pray in tongues, you're putting up a huge house. You're building up your spirit to become a strong spirit, to become a huge spirit. To build upon. You're building upon your faith. We build upon our faith through tongues. Praise the Lord. Now, I want to tackle something very briefly and then we are going to pray. I want us to pray together. But uh, the third prerequisite to creating a supernatural culture is the rise of apostles and prophets. The church is blessed. This church is blessed because you have an apostle in your midst. Pastor Donald Sims is an apostle. He has an apostolic anointing. He's an apostle. Okay? Now, with an apostle, and then prophets begin to rise up in the church, or prophetic people, this is what actually now brings the culture. The rise of apostles and prophets. The first step was, Baptisms and multiple fillings of the Holy Spirit. The second step is praying intentionally in tongues. The third step to creating this culture is the rise of an apostolic and prophetic environment. So the church has to create, intentionally create this atmosphere for prophetic people to rise and apostolic people to grow. Okay? Now, the culture is already there because you have an apostle as the pastor of the church. Now, as we create this culture, prophetic people begin to emerge. Apostolic people begin to emerge. The Bible says in Ephesians 4.11, and it was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers. Okay? So that's the order of God. The next scripture is in 1 Corinthians 12.28. It says... And in the church, God has appointed first of all apostles. Now, this issue, I'm I'm so sorry to say this. I, 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 I apologize in advance. But this tradition of having pastors and teachers, leading congregations, pastoring churches, my own conviction is that it is wrong. It should be apostles and prophets. When you read the entire New Testament, it was apostles who led churches, not pastors. Pastors led communities. Apostles led congregations. Why? Because they create this culture. And in the church, God has appointed first of all apostles, second prophets. Then it lists the other other three. Let me prove another scripture. Acts 5.12. The Bible says... And through the hands of the apostles came many signs and wonders among the people. Through this apostolic environment, through an apostolic leadership, through a prophetic leadership, signs and wonders were manifested. And then the last scripture is Acts 13.1. It says, among the prophets and teachers of the church at Antioch of Syria were... So it seems that apostles and prophetic teachers... In the church at Antioch were in plenty that the Holy Spirit had to handpick. Otherwise, all would have presented themselves. I mean, this was a church full of prophets and teachers, prophetic teachers and apostles. So the Spirit of God says, separate for me, Paul and Barnabas. Barnabas and Paul. There were many that Antioch had created a prophetic and apostolic culture. No wonder it was the first missionary church. It was the first church to send out missions into the world. Because they had created this culture. All right. Now, because of time, I want you to jump to a slide that has factors of a supernatural culture. Because of time. There. I want to only speak of those four because of time. And then I want to use the next slide. Uh, five minutes to pray together as a, as, as, a, as a church, corporately. Now, the Bible speaks of boldness. Okay, to create this culture, the factors that show that this culture exists is boldness, risk, experimentation, innovation, and practice. This culture is not automatic. It has to be created and then these people that have been gifted, they have to start taking risks. You won't wake up tomorrow and give a word of knowledge on someone's account number if you've never practiced. Henry and I, back in Uganda, we practice. We created an accountability group where we practice prophetic gifts. But you have to take the risk you have to risk you have to experiment you have to innovate you have to practice so a culture has to be created where we can you know train ourselves practice risk and also innovate city of hope talks about daring faith i like that daring faith and expectation there has to be expectation we have to come to church and expect God to speak to us. We have to raise our expectation. We have to dare. Dare to see God. Spiritual awareness, alertness and sensitivity. We must be able to be so sensitive to even the slightest move of God. Why? Because so many of us are only interested in magnificent moves of God. Yet God can even move in the slightest way. Submission and honor. A lot has been talked about submission. Let me talk about honor. Honor is how we relate with each other. Submission and obedience is to authority. That stands before us. Honor is relational. Honor is relational. How do we honor others? by the way we speak to them, recognizing their gift and callings, how we relate to them. You can't expect to see a move of God on Sunday when Monday to Friday, you are rude to your wife, you are rude to your kids, and then you expect God to move on Sunday. So as we relate with each other, We must relate with each other through honor. Because I honor you, I will respect you. Because I honor you, because, let me give you a simple example, something that I've taught myself, even in Uganda. When I get into a toilet, I leave it clean. I wipe it, I clean it for the next user. Why? I honor them. Simple things like that. Honor. Honor is how we relate with each other. The greatest manifestation of a spiritual life is through daily life. Day to day life. How we do life together. Is where if if we manifest the fruit of the spirit and the gifts of the spirit in our day to day life, it won't be hard to manifest that on Sunday morning. But we we have this culture, this mentality of thinking that when I show up on Sunday, then it will happen. It starts on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday at your workplace with that mean boss, okay? That mean boss. You know her? You know him? That mean boss. How How you respond when they are mean to you, okay? How do you respond? In honor or in dishonor? When we grow in honor, relationships, how we talk to people, coerce, jesting, jokes, you know? If you get a funny post on someone, do you forward it or do you delete it? There's a precious friend of mine in Uganda, migrated to some country that I won't mention, that person is now living a gay life, okay? Someone sent me, sent forwarded a picture of that person and I deleted it because I honor her. I don't want to spread that. That's honor. Day-to-day life, church culture, church family, how do we treat each other when we come Are we friends on the pulpit, but enemies in the small group? Enemies in the worship team rehearsals? Owner. Okay? So, I want to stop there. I want to be an American. (laughs) Because in Africa, we preach until we drop. (laughs) But I want to stop there. I want us to pray together. And I ask the band to come. Just play something for me. I want us to pray together. And I want us to take risk. I want us to try these things, okay? Just five minutes, but I want us to risk. I want us to risk. I want us to experiment what a prophetic culture would be. A prophetic culture allows people to fail, Missing it doesn't make me a false prophet, but I have to be mature enough to know that I'm vulnerable. I'm going to leave this slide with my brother, Clay. It has 20, 16 more points I've not tackled on. Maybe some other time he can go through them and then maybe continue with where I've stopped. But when I miss it, if I give you a wrong word of knowledge, I have to be vulnerable enough to admit if I've missed it. But on your part, the person who has received this wrong word of knowledge, you don't call me a false prophet right away. Give me a chance. Give me a chance to grow. Allow me to grow. Are we together? May we stand up.